Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and ours, and we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming. Because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil Tourist Trap. In this production, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. So please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil a Merely Role Players main house production. Tourist Trap, Act 3 of 5. I'm Helen Stratton and I play Melody, the Constructed. She owns Sherry Down's Cafe Come record shop and knows how to handle a tough customer. She's got a heart of gold, which just so happens to be secondhand. I'm Chris Buxy and I play Calisterius Softbinding, the expert. Calisterius, or Cal to his friends, is a noted horror writer living in Cherrydale. While researching his latest novel, he discovered that monsters were real. He also discovered that fighting monsters is an excellent way to procrastinate when he really should be writing. My name's Chris McLennan and I'm playing Ed Kincaid, the professional. He's a disgraced MI5 agent who's been kicked down to a basement to investigate reports of ghosts and little green men and other things that definitely don't exist. He just wants to file his report and go home. I'm Ellen, and I play Jess Butterworth, the spooky. Jess is a Sheridan local born and bred. A voice in the back of her mind keeps telling her she's bigger and better than this town. It's about time Jess showed Sheridan how badly it's underestimated her. All of my sign-ins on all of my many social media platforms have gone. The card simply says first name, last name. The number is 12 zeros. He didn't click on a dodgy link, but he did go in a new shop. And there was this new pop-up stall thing out in the yard at Amazement Park. I'll be going back to all those shops in the morning to give him a piece of my mind, I'll tell you that. Would you like to take your complaint to the manager? Everybody out, now! Now that you've made it outside, the outside of the food truck seems unchanged. Hmm. I th- well, first, Kincaid, is your shoulder okay? Yeah, it's fine. The Food Standards Agency are going to hear about this, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Well, as long as you're okay for the moment, I mean, maybe we can do something to heal you up in a second. But uh, 
I, I was kind of expecting that all to collapse in on itself or something. I don't know. I think I've had a realization of what this is. It's it's uh, it's a gingerbread house, basically. Um, you remember the story of Hansel and Gretel? Uh, this is bait to devour the unwary. Um, I'm not comfortable with leaving this as it is, especially if we haven't damaged it enough to sort of finish it off. Perhaps I could try a bit of magic to try and banish it. Unless anyone else has got something that they would uh, like to do to it, but I'm not sure we should leave this food truck here for the morning. Oh, Cal, my God, get rid of it if you can. I'll give it a go. This gives us a fun opportunity to work out what this kind of magic might look like. Uh, because, believe it or not, after two productions in the, the world of Vigil and Sheridan, you're the first, like, modern person to do magic in the series. Oh, okay. We've seen Victorian monster hunter scar rune magic, and we've seen like divine magic derived from the goddess the Morrigan, and we've seen fey magic, but we haven't seen any normal human magic yet. It's some Mr. Norrell shit going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay, well, uh, I think I know how to do this. I haven't, I haven't had to banish a food truck for a little while, so I might be a bit <laughs> rusty, but... Uh... So I take out my Sharpie that I use to sign copies of my book and start walking slowly around the, the food truck, uh, drawing a big mystic circle around it. About halfway round, the Sharpie runs out, so I get out my spare Sharpie and uh, complete the circle. And then I take out my uh, juju bag and sprinkle some of the mysterious contents over the food truck and mutter uh, what I hope is the correct incantation. What does the bag look like and what do the mysterious contents look like as you scatter them? So the bag is sort of a small uh, leather pouch um, made from the secured skin of some unidentified beast and um, that was great uh, difficulty to acquire. And the, uh, the stuff inside is a mixture of sort of powder and um, probably again teeth small teeth of some unidentified uh, creature different from whatever the, um, the bag was made from and all the uh, the powder and the uh, small scattering of teeth strike against the food truck uh, as I say the incantation yeah and as the stuff strikes against the outside of the food truck you can tell that the outside of the food truck is, is metal it's not this spongy organic stuff uh, the outside of it seems to be kind of normal food truck type material. Uh, but yeah, roll plus weird. Okay, so uh, I've got plus one for weird. Uh, ooh, that is a uh, seven in total. So it works. You get the effect you want, which is banish a spirit or a curse or a person or whatever for, from where it is inhabiting. You also get a glitch. So you choose what the glitch is from the list and I choose the details of what that actually means in this case i think that the magic draws uh, immediate unwelcome attention i love that one it's very good as calisterius is chanting completes uh, and he completes his circuit of the food truck all this while you you've been hearing like slurpy sounds from the inside but as his steps complete the circuit and as the final syllable of the chant uh, leaves his lips, the food truck sort of turns inside out. Uh, anybody looking in through the door that you all bailed out through 
would see the back wall of the, the far wall of the food truck bell towards the door and keep coming as the entirety of the substance, the organism that's been coating the inside of this food truck shell bursts out through the door and turns inside out as it comes. And it lands on the on the concrete of the Amazement Park food court in a, a kind of a, a, a mess, but takes a semi-recognizable form. It has jointed crustacean-type legs. It has a shell, which you can see has all of what was inside the food truck is now the outside of its shell. Um, so you can see the, the chrome drawer outer surfaces and cupboard doors. You can see the, the buttons of the till are on there on the shell. And this thing is about, now that it's come out of the food truck, it's about the size of, I would say, like a large pig. So it comes up to about your waist, most of you. It starts moving around in a kind of a, a drunken, unsteady way, as if it's still recovering from the wound that Kincaid dealt it and this magic that's expelled it has uh, disorientated it even more. And Calisterius, it comes straight for you. This is the immediate unwelcome attention your spell has attracted. It knows that you're the one that kicked it out of its the, the truck that it was infesting, uh, and it is coming straight at you with what look like pretty sharp crustacean-type legs. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen <laughs> and try and uh, throw myself out of the way because think about it I don't think I've got any of my other weapons on me because I've come straight from uh, a book signing so you come straight from work so you didn't have any weapons yeah. on you <laughs> <laughs> exactly so I I don't think I've got my uh, my sword or anything um, so yeah try uh, try to dodge it I guess I'm good at um, kicking some ass and protecting people so i'm thinking that at the very least i'm standing in front of cal with my sledgehammer right now but if it's running towards cal i'm probably just going to try and whack it somewhere where it might have a brain <laughs> okay yeah i was going to ask about about this now that you're face to face with with this thing obviously adrenaline is rushing through all of you uh, and this thing is running in quite a menacing way at Cal and you've already seen that when it was in the truck it hurt Kincaid but Melody wants to be a nice person and Kincaid's agency has a live capture policy for these kinds of things so what are your priorities here do you want to squash this thing or do you want to capture it I have no strong feelings as long as it doesn't bite me <laughs> My short-term priority is not to get bitten, stabbed, or pinched, cut in half, anything like that. Well, I think the first thing that happens is, uh, Helen, can you roll plus tough to protect someone? My tough is plus two. I rolled four. So that's a six. E yes. I was going to try and help as a moment of crisis. In which case, Ellen, roll plus cool. Okay, that's nine minus one, eight. You give Melody plus one, so Melody's now rolled a seven, but you expose yourself to the same trouble or danger. 
Right. So on a seven plus on protect someone, you protect Cal okay, but you suffer all of the harm they were going to get. Right. Cal is safe. Cal, you see this thing running, scuttling towards you across the across the asphalt, and Melody and Jess both put themselves between you and it. I think I've got my big knife that I already had out from... I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I've seen Melody charge in and maybe the, the weird creature's attention has been turned to her. And so I've just thrown my knife. I don't know how to do it. I've just thrown my knife so that it turns more towards me as it's charging and it gives Melody a better shot. His knife just slaps flat side against his crown. Yeah. <laughs> Mildly irritating. So its momentum carries it into the two of you, pincers first, and you're both not fully impaled. This thing is relatively small, but definitely hurt, definitely punctured, potentially in the thigh or like the midriff for one harm each. Oh. That's the worst bedside manner I've ever experienced, but you're not entirely impaled. <laughs> no, thanks, Slightly Doc. punctured. Yeah. Is Cal just sort of in the clear for a couple of seconds? Cal's protected for the moment, yeah. All right. I uh, just called to Cal and chuck him the keys to the Morris. <laughs> the boot. I'll, I'll get it started. <laughs> and then I just start moving in on this crab. Melody and Jess have both got pretty up-close looks at its legs, and its legs are kind of metallic. They're almost kind of like uh, like a black, shiny metal, and you can see electrical wiring uh, running through them where you might expect to see bunched muscle. Ooh. Kincaid, uh, roll plus tough, kick some ass. Uh, yeah. uh, that is uh, 11 again. What one extra effect from the 10 plus list would you like? Let's go force them where I want them. I'd like to basically like suppressing fire, just keep it sort of pushing that way. Force it away from, from all of you. Yep, you can do that. So, you know, a couple of shots at the floor around its legs and a couple of shots actually sinking into it. It skitters away, trying to escape from the gunshots. As it passes, it it skitters past you and slashes at you with one uh, leg for another one harm. All right. As it skitters away, its movements become even more erratic and it starts to flop and it, one of its legs seems useless. And uh, having forced it kind of away from the party, it actually seems to be sort of slowing and parts of its form, parts of the camouflage that it are uh, uh, appearing on its shell are starting to decoalesce and just turn into goo. Well, I guess I uh, run over to the um, car and open the boot. I'm not sure what I find in there under the blanket. You pull it aside and there's uh, like attaché case with uh, an assault rifle in. There is a shotgun. That looks more like I brought it from home and uh, there's a, a big sort of like heavy combat armor sort of vest like you see people outside when they're doing like hostage negotiation and shit it's not subtle under the shirt it's you know big ballistic combat armor basically uh well i will do my best to gather that all up and carry it over to kincaid well, you take your pick you don't, you don't have to 
<laughs> I've, I've never read a book about this. What's nearby, Mr. Tofu Pig Crab? I think there's a really awful fiberglass statue of something that could be Donald Duck, but really, really isn't. And I think it's standing in the corner of the food park. It's pretty tall. We're talking like, you know, two and a half, three meters tall, heavy thing in the, in the corner of the food court that this the pig crab gingerbread tofu monster has scuttled towards. Great, okay. I'd like to awaken this, this duck. I'm rolling plus weird. And uh, when Melody animates things, what, what does she do to animate things? By concentrating. And I, maybe I'm singing a small song to myself. Because you're, you're sharing your animating force with it and Melody's animating force is music. Yeah. Melody concentrates and starts to sing under her breath. Uh, and yeah, roll plus weird. I roll and then maybe I'll sing you a song. Hang on. <laughs> yes. Six. Oh, wait, wait. Six is on the dice and then I get another two, so I'm on eight. Seven to nine, you can control the object like a part of yourself. Brilliant. What do you make Donald Duck? Not not Donald Duck. What do you make the not Donald Don Duck? Donald Duck. <laughs> I just think I'm singing like... The legs on the duck go round and round. <laughs> I was going to go for all the ducks are swimming in the water. Alder, alder, alder. All the ducks are swimming in the water. Alder, alder, alder. Alder, alder, alder. Yeah, so he just waddles over. And then jumps, yeah, and lands on the on the creature, on a, ideally on a part that's more metallic than goo at this time. There is a crunch and a splat, and no more movement from under the Donald statue. Does Kincaid get a good face for of, of, of <laughs> crab goo? Anybody who's nearby, yeah, I think because you were the last one, like trying to drive it, it was the, you were the last one. It passed. You're in the more in the position than anybody else to get a face full. The splash zone. <laughs> Jessa says, "Jesus Christ! I never thought that duck could be more disturbing than it already was." <laughs> I think I'd move up and sort of poke what remains of the crab with a tentative boot. Everything about it that was solid is slowly becoming softer and the whole thing is rapidly turning into a puddle right well if you guys don't help me clear this up i'm going to be doing it by myself on monday i'm sure we could grab a mop um sorry about the sharpie all over your car park by the way yeah there's plenty of it don't worry yours is probably cleaner yeah. than the most of it this is still my best ever visit to amazement park same well, I think uh, we've got a better idea of what the creature is. Uh, well, uh, we've narrowed it down slightly. I mean, it is you know, some sort of uh, say creature that eats lives and lures people in with these sort of uh, these comforting gingerbread houses, or in this case, a, a gingerbread uh, food truck. <laughs> um, I think the thing that I need to do, um, as soon as we've cleaned up here, is to uh, go to the library and. Uh, do a bit of research, see if I can find any weaknesses that we can use against this creature. You know, it's it's obviously weak to giant statues of ducks, but I'm not sure that's something we're going to have on hand at all uh, times. 
So uh, I'll write it down think, anyway. Yeah, yeah just take a note. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I need to hit the books. Cal, I think you should um, take Jess somewhere that she can get her leg cleaned up, whether um, whether that's home or whatever. I wonder if Ed and I should stay and keep an eye on the goo. I don't, I don't, I don't oh, trust. Yes. Gosh, sorry, don't I... trust this goo to stay as goo or nothing else to happen. Uh, I forgot you're all hurt. Uh, thank you for um, protecting me from the horrible crab monster. That was a totally an unintended side effect of the banishment. Yeah. But uh, you know, hey, no cursed food truck anymore. So. Well, that's my thing, right? So we've done this, and this horrible thing was just like what, like uh, an offshoot. What on earth is the mum like? And if it is in town, I bet it's in that shop that that keyring came from and that my dad visited. That's a very good point. Um, I, I certainly think that is a place we're going very soon. I don't know if we want to wait until it's open in the morning. Well, obviously. Or we want... uh, oh, I, I mean, Kate is very good at kicking down doors. I think I feel we could go there anytime, really. But, but Jess wants to respect um... business hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a second. Jess, what did your dad buy from the shop? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. Charlie bought the key ring, and now this thing is here, growing out of the key ring. Yeah. should probably check in with your family. God, I hope he didn't buy anything bigger than a key ring. Okay, that is a fantastic point. Um, okay, I wonder if we should split our time between the library and the pub then? Yep, sounds like a good plan. Okay, so who's coming with me to the library and uh, who's going to check on Jess's family? Well, I th think as the person with the boot full of firearms should probably go and uh, check in the more potentially monster-ridden area. Have you not been to our library? <laughs> I'm looking at Ed at this point, pretty sure that he just wants to get a meal. <laughs> okay that sounds like uh sounds like it's settled then um perhaps melody and i will go to the library perhaps if you wouldn't mind dropping us off on the way kk that would be great and uh are you guys checking with jess's family so i can we can leave this goo here but i'm a little bit concerned that this isn't the end so i think I think maybe we would have to come back and check the situation here before <laughs> before Monday when the park opens again. There are some buckets what? of sawdust we use for when kids throw up. We can we can pop some of that on it for now. Yeah, okay. All right. Sheridan is twinned with Waterdeep, City of Splendours. Right now in Waterdeep, the great game is afoot. Plan your trip to this bustling metropolis now, and you could be in with a chance to grab the biggest hoard of gold ever gathered in all the realms. Sheridan Town Council does not recommend planning an actual trip to bustling Waterdeep during the great game. The great game has a high mortality rate, and anyone visiting Waterdeep during this season does so at their own risk.
As a, a, um, a safe alternative, the council recommends becoming a patron of our town's favourite great game contestants, the Waterdeep Mole Rats. Your support could mean everything to these plucky heroes of the Dock Ward. Literally, your influence could mean the difference between rescue and betrayal, between a daring heist succeeding or failing, between the mole rats winning the prize, or losing everything. Enjoy the beautiful but dangerous City of Waterdeep from a safe distance, Mondays at 7pm UTC plus 1 on twitch.tv slash sabotage the DM. Hello everyone and welcome to the Waterdeep Mole Rats Dragon Heist podcast. And as she's like crossing over, she's like pulling out an empty jar, just like, yes, I want you. (laughs) I want to study you so hard. This audio is taken directly from our live stream, which you can see on twitch.tv forward slash sabotage the DM on Mondays at 7 p.m. in the UK or 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You know what we used to do when we were fighting and we were scared? We used to smoke. Here you go. (laughs) Out of that taste. Our adventure will be played by a cast of immersive actors. Dan Berman, Pups the Goblin Monk. Gabrielle McPherson, Oshi Sota, the Yuanti Pureblood Rogue. Rob Thompson, Big Fatch, the Warforged Barbarian. And Evie James, Baggy, the Half-Orc Artificer. She's going to try and steal it all off the table as much as she can get. <laughs> and then run, okay? Towards Ship Street. Ready? Oh, she's pissed. We will join our adventurers as they move from their homes on Black Star Lane in the Dock Ward and attempt to climb into the higher echelons of Waterdeep society to join what is known as the Great Game or the Neverember Enigma. In search of hundreds of thousands of stolen gold coins hidden somewhere in the city. Oh, I don't know. Why, what is it with pups and shit, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, lovies, it's me, Matt, your compere, reminding you that this is a relaxed performance, so you can come and go as you please as long as you don't disturb anyone else in the audience. Let's take a look through the programme together, shall we? This Saturday, the 3rd of July, is Blackshaw Theatre Company's triumphant return to the stage post-lockdown. If you can get to London... I hope you'll join us in the Big Top in King George's Park in Wandsworth at 1pm on Saturday for Trouble at Sea, a Miss McSkimming mystery. It's radio theatre with live onstage foley work, so celery will be snapped, balloons will be showered, heavy things will be dropped from a great height and so on, to create a super vivid sound picture of an Agatha Christie type mystery set on a cruise ship in the unforgiving ocean. There will surely be shuffleboard, and it's possible someone might go overboard. Tickets are still on sale from wandsworthfringe.com, or just hit the link right here in the programme notes. In the meantime, please take your seats once again in the main house, as we return to Vigil, Tourist Trap, Act 3 of 5. The Morris Minor Traveller coasts through the dark streets of Sheridan, lit only by streetlights and headlights. Ed, can you stick some music on? He wordlessly just sort of clicks play on whatever tape's in there. 
and uh, yeah, Ned, have you ever seen the rain? Green's Clearwater <laughs> Revival. <laughs> Thank you. Then I'm going to turn to Jess. I'm assuming that she and I are in the back of the car because gender norms. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'd imagined it too. Yep. And I'll say perhaps in a quieter voice, not necessarily trying to include the whole car in the conversation. Um, so, what were you and Cal talking about with the with the mother? Is is there something bigger than what we've just seen? I think Jess is kind of she's got her arms folded and she's got her head down. Well, like, well, like what he said, he he uh, figured it out, didn't he? He said about the the gingerbread thing, and like, uh, it's a uh, uh, bigger than. Look, I figured it out, all right. Like that, I I in that food truck, I just put two and two together. That this is one bit of it, and there's more to it. Like this was just a a little sprout from something bigger, okay? I just figured it out. I mean, that's great. I don't want to suggest that I don't believe you. I just, um, it seemed like you went somewhere else for a moment, maybe, while we were in the truck and you were looking at the key ring. Is there, um, is there anything you'd like me to know? Well, I mean, yeah, like, <clears throat> Fine, I'll tell you, I have been working on some stuff since, you know, since Thomas went missing. I've been trying to figure some stuff out for myself and I've learnt how to, like, see stuff and know stuff that I didn't before. That's oh. all. I've got someone who helps me. Uh, do you mean uh, someone from work or on online? No, like, well, I guess, look, I don't know what you're going to say, but I guess you'd call him, like, a spirit guide or something like that, but he's amazing and he's oh. really clever and he's really helpful and he's he's helped me figure out so much stuff and, um, like, I think he's going to he's gonna help me grow and, and, and be more powerful and able to help you guys with stuff, because otherwise what can I do? Like, what am I? Okay, okay. I mean, that sounds amazing. You're you're always very important to me, you know that. But um yeah, anything obviously anything you can do to work things out with with Thomas's disappearance, I understand that. So you're okay then about it? Uh, yeah, I mean that you know, that that's your business. I would love to know more about it sometime, but if you're if you're happy that it's a good influence. Yeah. All right then. then. Great. Okay. I thought you'd tell me off. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever done that thing when you're in, sitting in the car as a passenger, and you you imagine uh, a person running alongside the car? No. Yes. Kit's doing that outside the window. So as you're looking at Melody, you can see Kit strolling at car speed outside the car. Jumping over road markings, uh, vaulting over bollards on traffic islands. Sweet parkour. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. <laughs> and as, as this conversation is wrapping up, you hear Kit speak in your head, Jess. Mate, you can, uh, you can tell her everything if you want. Just uh, 
Make sure she gives you something in return. She's got secrets. I can smell them. Mm. So I'm kind of going to adjust myself and turn slightly more towards Melody. Well, the, the truth of the matter is that, like, only I can see him. And I, I met him through when I was working on the tarot tent. And um, he, he can let me read inside people's heads. And, oh. and like, with, and he tells me stuff about monsters, he finds it out for me, and I think sometimes I can, like, control people if I want to. But you know how much I trust you, don't you, Melody? Absolutely. You just have to be so careful. That sort of thing can be super dangerous. I know, but, like, I feel there's stuff, there's stuff that you could tell me that could really help. Like, you've always kept your background really quiet. And I've always known there's something, but like, if you want me to trust you. Ed turns the credence up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe with me it's because there's um, there's a lot to tell. But equally, it's all just been in Sheridan for a long time. Yeah, but how long? Well, that's that's difficult. Because like, you've always been here when I've been here, and I was born here, and. My mum and dad, they remember you having that that coffee shop when they were kids, right? But oh, well, um, that that was my aunt. We looked so similar. Right. And she was called Mezzanine, so people get confused. But that's the thing, Melody. Like, I told you something really important. And if you can't trust me, then I'm not going to tell you nothing no more. Okay. So, how about... I pinky swear that I'm not keeping anything terrible from you. And by that, I mean my little finger's gonna come off <laughs> and waggle itself at you, separate from the rest of my hand. And I just grin, because I think that's a nice friendly thing, but it might be disgusting. <laughs> what does it look like when, when Melody detaches a body part like that? Like, do, are there stitches that unstitch or does it literally just like pop off? like a bit of lego is it like a wound or is it like just clean like putty well so for me it's like a like a yeah but that doesn't make much sense (laughs) it doesn't have to you're magic so i think in this instance this is just an inhuman detachable body part thing but my hand was all added in one go so there's no stitches the stitches are under my like at my wrist yeah, hidden by tattoos. Yeah, so with my finger, it looks sort of comes off clean, but looks quite ick on the inside. <laughs> so you can come apart at the intended seams, but also, if you want, you can create new seams. Yeah, I can come apart wherever I want. <laughs> <laughs> Jess is going to back up into the corner of the back seat of the Morris Mine, and there's not much room back up away from it and this finger is sort of crawled onto her knee and is looking at her and she's frozen and so she looks out of the window the corner of her eye she looks at Kit oh sh- shit and like I gather and put it back on and try and pretend that nothing happened <laughs> done something weird again Kit is just feigning surprise outside the window okay like the screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to look from him to Melody. Right. 
Well, this is a conversation that we're going to have to continue, isn't it? Yeah. Whenever you like. Mm. I like all the credence. Every time something new happened in that encounter, it just got louder and louder. It's just, it's just staring <laughs> straight forwards. No checking the mirrors past a certain point. I don't want to know. There's an emotional conversation happening. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he dialed out because it was like, this is private and uh, inadvertently uh, didn't see anything untoward occur. <laughs> Cal and Melody let themselves in the annex entrance of Sheridan Library. The main library building is shut, it's after hours, but uh, Cal can get into the annex anytime he likes because he sponsored the place, it's got his name on it. Yes, so uh, there's a lot of uh, very old books, that's the main feature. Uh, lots of very sort of nice wooden antique wood sort of shelves. Uh, they all come to sort of um, sort of higher than the sort of the average person. So they're sort of about seven or eight foot tall, multiple sort of rows of shelves. And that sort of that smell of musty books is, is heavy in the air. None of the books, if you sort of looked at them on the shelf, they're all sort of filed neatly. You, you wouldn't be too suspicious. You just think it was a sort of collection of... Uh, antique books but I mean what it actually is is a, a mystical library and the sort of the room is uh, the annex itself is sort of like made in sort of a large sort of large pentagram sort of style so it's sort of uh, it is a sort of pentagram shape uh, the actual sort of annex wing and uh, there are sort of subtle details of the architecture, sort of gargoyles, uh, carvings. So this place is very heavily warded with um, protection spells. Um, so people cannot access this wing unless they have uh, a library card uh, specifically for it that I've issued. And when I say access, I mean sort of physically access. People wouldn't be able to get in. Uh, but Melody's got one. Obviously, I have one as well. So... We sort of walk in, I, I flick the uh, switch. The switch itself is in sort of like a, it's an antique style sort of large switch that you sort of flick with a, a large clunk. Um, uh, sort of lights flicker on and uh, I say, right, well, I suppose we better get reading then. Uh, we need to uh, see if we can see what we can find out about this this creature. I mean, we've, we've narrowed it down to roughly what it is, but uh, so we know what it is, but our, our primary concern now is how do we stop it? How do we kill it? Maybe you know, what its weaknesses are, uh, some way of tracking down any of the bits that it's spawned, any of the offshoots, like the food truck. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jess and Kincaid might bring back some uh, intelligence on, on that um, uh, from there their trip but um otherwise yeah we just uh we need to get get reading basically now um it's uh the, the sections on monsters are filed by how they will devour you so we're looking for the devour your life section as opposed to the uh devour specific body parts or um you know anything like that so uh do you want to start at one end melody and i'll start at the other and we'll start uh, reading through uh sure thing and just before I start uh, doing the research, I'll just uh, quickly go and gather up my weapons. So I will uh, gather up my mallet and wooden stakes, and uh, I will take the silver sword down from the wall. So hanging on the wall is a sword made of pure silver, and it's uh, it's up there uh, disguised as a writing award. 
there's a, a little plaque underneath it that says um, awarded by Swords and Spacemen magazine, best new writer. And uh, I take that down from the wall uh, and take it with me um, and then start some research. So I guess at this point we'll just be sort of looking through the books. Now, um, so because this is a, a mystical library, the thing that it does, I mean, I, I assume we could actually find out about the creature here, but uh, the, the sort of the thing that this type of haven actually does is um, uh, allows me to take forward uh, plus one for using magic. Okay, so your next use magic roll will have plus one. And also, okay. uh, let's roll investigate a mystery as you both hit the books. So, r roll in now. Oh, nice. Uh, so that is a 10 plus 2 sharp, so 12. Amazing. Okay, so hold 2. Hold 2 and use them to ask questions off that investigate mystery list. Great. So, uh, I think what the first question is, how can we hurt this creature? The important thing that you discover from the, these uh, books is... Actually, these creatures can be hurt by most kind of conventional weapons. Like It's like an animal. It can be hurt by most things that an animal can be hurt by. The trick is you can't hurt it while it's installed in its nest. Right. So you could unload the assault rifle through the front windows of this shop and it would do nothing. Uh, it would just absorb it all. You've got to get it out of the shop into that crab form or whatever form the mother takes. Uh, before you can deal it any damage. But once it's in that form, guns, swords, whatever, anything will hurt it. Excellent. Okay, so another question then. Uh, well, we know what sort of creature it is, and we know how to hurt it, and we know where it is, uh, and we also know what it's going to do. So I guess the next question to ask is, what, what can it do? Because we've seen a, li a little bit about how it sort of attacks using its nest, uh, assuming that's what the food truck was. It was uh, another nest. So I guess we need to know, you know, what can it do to us when we go in the nest to get it out? So, you, yeah, you find pretty extensive notes about this. Th this particular form of the creature, it doesn't need or want to harm people physically. It will only do that when it thinks that it's under threat. Like if somebody goes in who has already had their data drained and is raising awareness and like letting other people know that something's dodgy about this shop, that might be when it would physically attack them in order to stop them from spreading that information. And you find reference to this invitation to speak to the manager is how it tempts you into whatever compartment of itself, usually a back room if it's set up in a shop, where it stores its mouth parts for gnashing you to bits. Right. It can use the stuff of itself that it coats the inside of its nest with to trap people, like a flytrap. Um, so you felt that in the food truck. It can stick you to the floor and then use that to kind of drag you to the back room if it feels the need to do that. And then once it's been kicked out of the shop and is on the move, which it either does if, if it's expelled by magic, like what you did, or if it's grown too big for the current shop front that it's in and it needs to go somewhere bigger, it'll turn itself inside out, get out, get on the move and skitter off. In that form, its legs are a dangerous piercing weapon. The larger specimens have crab-like claws that can grab and crush as well. Okay. 
Did we ever find a specific name for this creature? So it's had it's been referred to as a few different things throughout the different myths and case files and what have you that you're looking at. Older references conflate it with witches, but it's actually like the witch was probably just a manifestation like the server in the food truck. So it's been referred to as a gingerbread house in fables. More modern iterations, some joker has started referring to them as tourist traps. <laughs> because one of the things that they like to do is they like they will sell, quote unquote, their little souvenirs and tchotchkes, which are actually part of its form, generally to people who are just passing through town, and they will take them away to whatever other town they hail from, and it will spawn there into another child. Cool. Oh, and Will was just trying to support another community business. Yeah. It's outrageous. Great. Well, we've got a very clear picture now, then. Well, well done, Cal. Uh, Library saved the day again. Of course. Um, I just hope we can get this knowledge to Jess and Kincaid in time. I'm sure we can. Hopefully Jess has sorted her leg out as well. Should we go to the pub? Uh, Absolutely. has been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Ellen Gould as Jess Butterworth, Chris McLennan as Ed Kincaid, Helen Stratton as Melody, and Chris Buxy as Calisteria Softbinding. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing the episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on! Morris Minor Traveller coasts through the street lit, street light lit streets of oh, Sheridan sorry. at night. Sorry, sorry, can I interrupt? Yep. So I'm holding from the wrong microphone. Ah, okay. Um, yes, I am. All right, scrub those, stop and scrub those recordings. You can take another run at street light lit as well. I can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take two. I like street lights lit streets. <laughs> Poetic. <laughs> Lips. Okay. Tip of the tongue. <laughs>